Welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, founder and host of this podcast. I created The Brand is Female so that powerful women could share their journey to unlocking their own potential, to empower others, and to inspire change. Jeannie Becker is a journalist, media personality, and fashion entrepreneur. But more than all of this, she is an icon and a trailblazer who has deeply influenced Canadian broadcasting and the Canadian fashion industry. Jeannie started her career as an actress, but moved into radio and TV. She became host of the show Fashion Television, or FT, which aired for 27 years and had viewers in over 130 countries. Jeannie has been editor-in-chief of two magazines. She's published five books, including her 2010 autobiography, Finding Myself in Fashion. She's been a contributing editor of the Toronto Star, The Kit, and a columnist for Metro, as well as a style columnist for the Globe and Mail and Post City Magazine, in addition to writing for several lifestyle publications. Jeannie has launched her own clothing line, Edit by Jeannie Becker, and she's been recently named style editor of the Shopping Channel. Her many awards include her appointment to the Order of Canada in 2014 for her support of the Canadian fashion industry, as well as a Canadian Screen Achievement Award for the role she played in changing the way Canadians watch television. Throughout her life, Jeannie has carved her own path. She's opened doors and she's broken through glass ceilings, paving the way for women in media, publishing, and fashion after her. Here is my conversation with Jeannie Becker. My name is Jeannie Becker. I'm a, what am I? What do I do? <laughs> I'm a fashion slash lifestyle journalist, I suppose. Yeah, that's a, w- one of the hats I wear. <laughs> one of the many hats. And Jeannie, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to speak to you on The Brand is Female. Thank you so much for making time. Uh, you are a an icon and I, you know, I choose the word carefully. Um, I think you've defined a history of fashion in Canada. Um, and I think you have a very interesting story to tell. So I'm very happy we're sitting down today. Yeah, I'm thrilled, uh, thrilled to be telling my story. I mean, I think that's the um, one most important thing that we can give each other, you know, mm-hmm. our own personal stories. And uh, so this, to me, is, is even a gift, the opportunity to tell it like it is. Fantastic. <laughs> and before we get into, um, you know, the, the your current life and recent projects, I want to go back to the start, to where it all began. And young Jeannie growing up, I'd love to know um, where you're from, what were your dreams and aspirations, and did you ever think at that time you would have the kind of career that you've had to this point and, you know, the, the, the life you've had in fashion journalism? Well... That's okay. It's a big question, um, and, uh, <laughs> and and first of all, I'll say yes. I think I did um, imagine that I would have this because I think if you don't imagine it, if you don't dream it, if, mm. and if you don't see it for yourself, it's never going to happen. Right. So you have to envision it, and mm. I was envisioning all that great stuff when I was uh, a little kid. You know, I thought I'd even go further. I don't know what happened. I'm still, There's I'm still, still doing. It. Yeah, yeah, still on my way. I grew up in Toronto, uh, the child of Holocaust survivors. My parents uh, immigrated here back in 1948 mm-hmm. um, with absolutely nothing. They had lost their entire families in the war. Um, and they brought my sister and I up to believe that uh, we were living you know, in the promised land, like mm-hmm. this was just the best place on the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sacrificed everything for us as you know is often the story with with uh, immigrants and then for me I felt that because my parents lives had been 
nipped in the bud in their youth and, mm. and so much they had been robbed of, of so much and were unable to realize most of their great dreams mm. and aspirations that it was up to me to not just have you know a, a good life or a great life I had to have a fabulous life so right. I really you know here I was given this incredible opportunity you know, to grow up here in Canada I had to really uh, go for it mm. um, my dad had a motto that saw uh, him and my mom through the war and that was don't be afraid and never give up mm, I love that that motto to this day plays over and over again in my mind I mean I, I can remember times you know running after a Carl Lagerfeld for a soundbite at a fashion show and I think don't, <laughs> don't be, be afraid, afraid. never give up just go 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 no matter what it takes you just gotta right. be fearless and be tenacious and and you'll go for achieve it. your goal mm. and I think that's uh, so true mm. uh, my mom really encouraged us to to dream um, and and believe in our dreams and she was very very artsy in a sense very uh, a very a great craftswoman mm -hmm. um, really gave us a, a wonderful um, sense of aesthetic beauty. Right. Uh, you know, she made all our own clothes, yeah. that, you know, which was really very cool because uh, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we could never possibly afford uh, any designer clothes or or clothes from fancy stores. But uh, she would whip up the most wonderful outfits for my sister and I. So mm -hmm. we grew up, you know obviously loving fashion right uh but i didn't think that i wanted to be in fashion okay. i mean i didn't you know i thought that was sort of a, a cool thing you know yeah. i'd pour over the pages of harper's bazaar and vogue when i was a kid growing up i wanted to be an actress i wanted to be okay. a performer i wanted okay. to be on stage i wanted to communicate right, right. that was my uh my obsession you know mm. that's what I thought I was going to be a movie star but you know hey like you say there's still time <laughs> oh absolutely that could be you know second wave of your career um and then what made you so an interest in fashion obviously a mom who was very much into you know aesthetics and craftsmanship how did you make that first foray into fashion and is it something that you mm. studied or did you study something I, I did not study fashion at all mm -hmm. I mean I actually uh again learned so much by osmosis over the you know certainly over the the 27 years that i was doing fashion television mm -hmm. and now beyond because I, i really got into it seriously in 1985 mm -hmm. when we launched the show mm -hmm. but i had come from doing a show about music okay. rock and roll that, yep. that was how i started um my career at city tv anyway mm -hmm. and i came mm -hmm. into that because i was an entertainment arts uh, journalist broadcast yep. journalist i yep. I, after studying acting in New York and mime in Paris, I, I heard uh, some stories about that. Time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I ended up um, moving to St. John's, Newfoundland, uh -huh. in 1975. That wow. was like the year after I got back from Paris. I was yeah. in, in love with a fellow who was doing postgraduate work in folklore at Memorial University. Wow. And uh, I thought, okay, wow, Newfoundland, that sounds cool. The final frontier. I'd hardly heard of Newfoundland right, at that time. Right. Like, my parents Girl were, from Toronto. Yeah, yeah. My parents were mortified that I don't think they'd ever heard of it. It was like, okay, where are you going? <laughs> Newfoundland. And I got to Newfoundland and um, my fellow was, you know, busy at the university doing his thing. And I thought, well, I better find myself a gig here. And I was yeah. the only mime artist in the province. <laughs> and uh, I knocked on the door of CBC Radio for some crazy reason I know I, I think because there was such a vibrant uh, art scene going on yeah, at the yeah, time and I thought you know I should 
be reporting on this. This, right. if you can believe it, CBC, and they cover art so brilliantly yeah. now. But in those days, they weren't really. They right. were doing shows about consumerism and you know mm. the oil refineries and. The, and I said, no, no, the, you know, we should be talking to these artists, and we. Should. So um, anyway, I pitched myself as that kind of arts reporter, and they bought it, and I started. Uh, my career in broadcast journalism at that point and I did that for three years and then uh, moved back here in 1978 mm -hmm. knocked on every radio station door mm -hmm. and and I mean like knocked to right. wrap my knuckles off and would not take no for an answer and yeah. finally this wonderful program director at chum radio that you know which yep. was the top 40 chum, yeah, chum am yeah. at the time uh, J.R. Wood said, well, we like the sound of your voice, and you obviously have all this experience. I yeah. had an arsenal of, of these tapes that I had uh, done. God, isn't that funny? That really seems ancient. They don't even have tapes, tapes now. But, you know, it. it was all about the tapes. <laughs> and uh, he hired me to be their good news girl. Good news, so, okay. Yeah, good yeah. news girl. So I would be on, and I had to do every single thing myself. I mean, I didn't, I was producing myself. I was booking all... The guests, I had to do um, 18 a week of these little reports, 90-second wow. wraparounds called Chum Reports. Yeah. And they would come on like right after the newscast. Yeah. You know, Hi, I'm Jeannie Becker, and blah, today yeah. we're talking to whatever it was. Just a variety of uh, lifestyle topics. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so that year, 1978, was the year that uh, Chum Radio decided to buy this hip little TV station, City TV. Mm, okay. And um, so then they started thinking, okay, well, we have this girl, Jeannie Becker. And she, I had, you know, I, I had been acting professionally since I was a teenager. You right. know, so I had this, you know, real on-camera experience. Yeah. They said, we'll take Jeannie and one of our boss jocks, J.D. Roberts, because he was, you know, the cute, really cute one, who's now John Roberts of Fox News. Oh, You know, wow. the White oh House correspondent, yes. excuse me. Oh, my god! Uh, so they took the two of us over to City TV right. to host a music magazine show okay. called The okay. New Music. Okay. This was before MTV. Yeah, was even a, much you know, music and yeah. MTV. Not, yeah. yeah, but even before they were doing it, like in yeah. the States, yeah. it, was, it was a show that went on the road with rock stars and into the studios with them. And Incredible. I was riding the smoky tour buses with them and backstage. And, right, right. You know, it was yeah. an amazing, amazing um, kind of trailblazing yeah. time because people hadn't put rock stars and musicians on TV in that way before. Right, you know? right. So um, that was an amazing education. because And we were flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. And the way that television was produced back then especially you know we used to call it dollar 98 productions it was cheap 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 yeah so we just had one cameraman that's it one cameraman and it was me sometimes me and jd or sometimes yeah. just me and the cameraman yeah finding ourselves in the craziest situations you know yeah. there was no lighting guy there was no sound yeah, guy no there was sound no guy. producer there was no one you know f telling me what questions to yeah. ask or yeah. telling me the structure so it was, it was all just, you were doing it all yourself yeah. and it was a brilliant brilliant education and yeah. after uh, six years of doing that show and then launching Much Music because mm -hmm. I uh, was in on the ground floor of that. I thought, you know, if I have to interview Rod Stewart once more, I'm going to lose it. That's <laughs> enough already. Now what's the next big thing? So I heard buzzing uh, around the uh, TV station that they were going to do a fashion video show. Okay. And they were going to audition these gorgeous young models that would be the fashion VJs. And mm -hmm. it was 
going to be this really new, sexy little concept. And I thought, well, hold on a minute. A show about fashion? Yeah. I love fashion. I'm yeah. a, you know, I was a real fashion, little fashionista. Yeah. And I was looking for the next big thing. Right. And uh, I went right upstairs. I remember the day I got to City TV, and this is when the building was on Queen Street East. And I saw all these models in the lobby, like all these. <laughs> and I thought, what are they doing here? Waiting oh, we're audition. doing, you know, they're auditioning yeah. for a new show. I went right up to the second floor of the station manager's office, yeah. and I said, you have to let me host this new pilot, the show that you're doing about fashion, because mm-hmm. I want to be the one interviewing the designers the way I interviewed the rock stars. Yeah. They went, oh, no, we don't want any interviews. We don't want any talking heads. We just want to show the Pretty sexiness and, of, yeah. yeah. And I said, come on, I paid my dues. you got to let me do it. I really, you know, I'm looking for something new to do. And they knew I worked like a little demon. So they let me do it. They gave you a chance. And uh, we did it. And the first show didn't have much heady stuff going on. It was all, you know, like visuals. And um, But then they said, you know what, there's something to this. Maybe we should approach it the way you had approached the new music all mm. those years. You know, really interviewing the designers, finding out yeah. who these people were behind the labels. Yeah. And... The rest, the rest is, is history, history. <laughs> as they say. Yeah. So, and you very much carved your own path. I think that motto that your parents instilled in you very much drove all the career moves you've just described. So how was it in the late 70s, you know, early 80s, being a woman, a career woman, trying to, you know, trail your own way and really, you know, you, you came up with ideas for shows that had never been done before. How did you make that happen? And did you, I'm sure you encountered resistance, but with that motto always playing in your head, where did you find a strength to just keep going? And do well, it? Uh, you know, There's uh, several questions in there. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the strength, the energy that, you know, I think that's just God-given. I mean, it's just if yeah, you're passionate you yeah. about something and, you know, you really... So you never questioned that. For you, it was yeah, just... Yeah, for me, it was just go. Yeah. Go, 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 go. It was, you know, I was Push those the doors. energizer bunny. Yeah. I had the energy. I absolutely loved what I was doing. I mean, mm-hmm. loved music, loved fashion, like loved art in general. And, you know, I did at many, during that time, I also did, you know, I did a show about movies mm-hmm. with Brian Linehan for a while. And then, uh, you know, I did a show called Media Television. That mm-hmm. There was just, that was one of the brilliant things about the way Moses operated right. was that he would say, oh, you know, knock yourself out. You want okay. to do that? Mm, be my guest. You okay. know, take the ball and run with it. Yeah. So that was incredible. So he that gave we had you carte blanche to, to really, Yeah, you know, to some degree. I mean, you know, he had his directives for sure. <laughs> and, um, you know, that sometimes uh, I, I say I succeeded because of Moses and in spite of him because he... Mm-hmm. Uh, he drove me a little crazy. I okay. think he knows that. And he's very good at pushing buttons. And, you know, he pushed a lot of buttons. I was a very, very emotional person. Mm-hmm. Still am. Very sensitive person. Mm-hmm. Still am. I, uh, sometimes maybe to a fault. I don't know. I was in Kelly Catrone wrote a book once about yeah. don't yes. let them see you crying yes. or whatever it was. You know, you don't cry. Yeah. You know what? I cried in lots of uh, situations. <laughs> But and I, I think, you know what, I'm, I'm only human yeah. and I don't ever want to be superhuman. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think some of the things I've done in retrospect, I look back and I go, wow, you know, that was, I was Wonder Woman for a few minutes there. How did that happen? But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think it's very important to maintain your vulnerability, especially when you're working in a, this business of communication. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you are going to be a communicator yes. of any sort, you know, yeah. whether you're an actor, whether you're a, a journalist, a writer, a, a 
broadcaster, you know, mm. you're, you're talking to people, you want to be as human as you possibly can. Yes, so, which includes showing your vulnerability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of stuff that was crazy making in those days because we were doing, there was no precedent for what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no one had, there was no, I did not have a role model. Right. I mean, maybe the only person in broadcasting, you know, a woman, female, mm -hmm. that I really looked up to yep. at the time was Barbara Frum. Okay. You know, she was just so brilliant, mm -hmm. such a, a beautiful person and, and so successful. But there were, there was really nobody else yeah, that I yeah. aspired to be examples. like because yeah. I didn't, there was no other young woman out there reporting on yeah, yeah. music, reporting on fashion so the way how I was. was that welcomed? Like how, what was the reaction when you were coming up, you know, the young, you know, up and coming woman, arts yeah. reporter, music reporter, what was the reaction? Not supportive. Mm. The reaction was not good. The reaction was, who does she think she is? Mm. First of all, I didn't look like what most people on TV looked like back then that were okay. getting the jobs. Okay. And again, thank you, Moses, for putting people with long, funny names on the air right. and people with big noses and big mouths and people whose voices maybe didn't sound... You know, the CBC at the time, that was really, you know, the king of the castle, they were putting these kind of, you know, Cookie blonde, helmet-headed yeah. girls on you know, with the turned-up noses. And I mean, yeah. more power to them, beautiful people, whatever. But yeah. I there, was... There was a, a pattern. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my, you know, my nose was big. My mouth was big. I, <laughs> I had a, a, a kind of voice that I think was irritating to some people. <laughs> too bad. Um, but besides that superficial stuff, too. And, and the energy that I had was not... I mean, I even had a hard time in, in Newfoundland huh. gaining cred because yeah. I had come from away. And right. people didn't necessarily appreciate yeah, that, you know, Toronto. like, yeah, someone yeah. from Toronto yeah. taking over here, who does yeah. she think she is? Uh, but if, for me, uh, I was just so committed to what mm. I was doing, and it was very painful, the press especially, the new, you know, newspapers, you know, I'll tell you, you know, the worst uh, probably in those early days at the Globe and Mail, mm. and, you know, bless the Globe and Mail, I ended up writing for them for many years, yeah. you know, yeah. um, in later years, which yeah. is so interesting. But in those early days, they were really looked down their noses mm -hmm. at me and what we were, even what we were doing to some degree, but certainly me personally. I, they, they were very unsupportive and mm. it did hurt me. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the bad stuff that was written about me in newspapers and the media was, you know, it was, but what are you gonna do about it? You yeah. know, I, I wasn't gonna like leave yeah, the scene. Yeah, or hide in a corner. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just, I thought, okay, part and parcel of the territory. I thought, okay, I've just got to build up this thick skin yeah. armor that so I won't get hurt. But then I thought, if it, if I build up too much of a suit of armor, then I'm going to lose my humanity. Yeah. And I, don't, yeah. I didn't want to do that either. Yeah. So so how did yeah. you find, you know, how did you find the that balance to be able to keep going, not get too affected, but also stay vulnerable and human? But, you know, you just, uh, you just try to concentrate on the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, life slowly started to take on a, a bigger, you know, more important meaning um, by the mid 80s. You know, I, I, I got married, mm -hmm. started to have children, yeah. you know, became much more grounded yeah. Uh, yeah. in a sense and, uh, and just carried on, you know, mm -hmm. you, just, just, you just push through it. And then slowly but surely people 
kind of started to accept me, I think, and right. started to realize, well, you know, she's not going anywhere, and <laughs> it is what it is. And I guess I created my stay. own, yeah. So how, what was the appeal, you know, in fashion and fashion journalism that kept you wanting to stay in that field, that kept you going? And with all the difficulties you encountered, mm-hmm. you could have easily said, well, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, you could no, have stayed yeah. in journalism, but, yeah. you know, done something else. Yeah, but no, I would never give up, mm-hmm. right? That yeah, never give up. to the motto. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved fashion, uh, funnily enough, because, you know, it was this kind of a superficial thing. And that's another thing. A lot of people... Pfft, Yeah. fashion no, yeah. no one was taking me seriously I mm-hmm. mean you know who cares about fashion it's just and then all of a sudden fashion started growing into this incredibly powerful beast yeah. of a business yeah you know very very important business like yeah. worth billions and billions of dollars and it started to affect people mm-hmm. because I mean and it is the one creative decision that everyone gets to make every day yeah. and it is a brilliant form of communication a, yeah. a wonderful tool And it is all about self-expression and all those things that were important to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the market wasn't saturated with fashion coverage mm-hmm. until, you know, the last, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so. Yeah. Like it was much more pleasant mm-hmm. <laughs> covering fashion. Now it's like I wouldn't want to have to cover fashion the way I used to cover fashion yeah. like, anymore. Like that, okay. no, no thanks. But at the time, I... I was living a very privileged existence. You know, I had uh, uh, access to a lot. Mm-hmm. I had built a, a kind of trust yeah. in a lot of the top You had amazing relationships and, with, you know, all of the big players. Yeah, the top yeah. fashion houses of the world. They appreciated what we did because we had made a lot of their designers' household names mm-hmm. and we had really um, celebrated fashion. You right. know, we were never going to get tough with it and, mm-hmm. and, you know, be critical of it. Mm-hmm. We were just loving it, loving the scene, and we wanted to really, uh, really celebrate it in that way. And mm-hmm. people started, you know, loving it along with us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really, really interesting. I never for one minute thought I was going to give up. I mean, there were times when I thought, oh, I don't want to work for so-and-so anymore. Right. I don't want to do this show with so-and-so anymore. Like, I want to do, I want to do something else. So, yeah. But I knew that I had, I learned so much and about how to do my job Mm -hmm. and I really did believe at the time that I was the way I did my job and the that was like the I was like the best Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I don't want to you know it's not that I I mean believe me I was riddled with all kinds of insecurities Mm -hmm. but I did feel that I had worked my ass off and I was not going to let this go it was Mm -hmm. just way too important to me Mm -hmm. you know and then all these you know there are Then, of course, you know, we all go through that when, you know, the younger, you know, women, let's say, come up and want your job, yeah. you know, well, okay, you do it. And I, and they would say to me, I want to be the next Jeannie Becker. I'm right. like, well, <laughs> be the next Jeannie, there's no other Jeannie Becker. I'm Jeannie Becker. You be, be your own person. whoever you are, yeah. you know, like, I want your job. Yeah. Get your own job. My yeah. job didn't exist before I, I built kind it. of created yeah. it and invented yeah. it. And that, yeah. you know, so when people today say, you know, Well, they look up to role models that they yeah. want to be like so-and-so. You know, even my own kids. Yeah. I mean, the the one thing I think that I'm the proudest of, I mean, it scares me to death, is that my kids are adamant about blazing their own trails. And mm. they live very interesting, very mm. disparate lifestyles that, yeah. you know, have nothing to do with how they saw me, you yeah. know, yeah. building my life or living, you know, living in this glossy world. But they 
they are originals mm. and I think yeah. you know yeah what's the biggest that's, compliment in yeah. the fashion world you know uh, oh it's an original, original to be an original yeah. yeah and I think that's really important and live your life by your own rules really that's what makes for a rich life um but was that wasn't that rewarding to see all these young women you know being able to have those career opportunities that you created for them because before you as you said they, you know those options weren't available Well, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to take credit for opening doors for women. I'm not. I don't know if I did or not. Well, you were definitely a source of inspiration, and you also made them realize that that type of career was a possibility mm -hmm. for them. True, true. I guess in that way, then, yes, it's great. Um, but I just wish sometimes that I would see more originality. Mm -hmm. I don't find that you know what's going on in the medium so i don't know what medium we want to talk about if we just talk about media in general mm -hmm. we could yeah or the medium of television yeah um i i don't see you know people doing programming that's mm. all that radically different than what you know they see yeah. a, a, a a type of template of a show that works yeah. in the u.s yeah and they just want to they repeat replicate, it yeah. i don't i still i don't see that much originality right. mm. and i don't see i mean there's some lovely personalities out there and some yep. you know wonderful women doing incredible things and it's just such a, a juggling act for so many of them mm. and I, i totally applaud them mm -hmm. and that's one thing that i would hope that i would have encouraged women to you know can you have it all yeah, yeah. maybe you know not all at once and bits and pieces right. and yeah. you've got to pull back on certain things but yeah. i felt i had it all mm. i did yeah. i you know and and in many ways now at this stage of life you know i feel like like i do as well mm. um so i you know on that level i would hope that i um influence them you know but i in terms of uh the approach uh of stylistic you know yeah. journalism i i mean i can't really say that i'm i'm you know seeing a lot of people that are really you know inspiring me or or making me think yeah they've yeah. really gone to the next level yeah. with uh, this this art and craft yeah of, yeah it's uh, become reportage. a little blend do you think digital channels are opening up new opportunities absolutely oh front? absolutely yeah and there's probably a lot going on that i'm just not aware of because mm -hmm. you can't keep track of everything now you know yeah. in, in the in the old days you know someone had a tv show that was yeah. half decent you probably know about yeah. it now had, it's like oh my you, god and you had and, the magazine delivered yeah. to your home and yeah <laughs> yeah you're, yeah there's just so much going on you yeah. can't uh, keep track of it there's yeah. like just wow yeah there's it's it's such a universe out there mm -hmm. so uh So and I don't know. what about opportunities for women and in general because you you know start carving your your path uh, your career life started in the 70s and then in the 80s what has changed what's possible for women today that wasn't possible and are we really moving in the right direction well i mean you know the one thing i must say that i envy women today that they can take a mat leave for mm. example they right. decide to have a baby they can take a year off right and their job is going to be held for them they they will yeah. be promised that they have to get back yeah. into the same job yeah that was so not the case with me right i mean i wanted to have my babies and i waited pretty you know i was like 35 before i had my first and in those days that was considered yeah, yeah 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 you know my mother was like hurry up the store is going to close if you want a baby you better have it now and i waited until you know i pushed it as far as i could mm -hmm. um but i had you know moses bless him saying to me because he's a brilliant at pushing the right buttons you know well you know there this and this is when i was like nine months 
pregnant. And in those days, you didn't show off the big baby bump. You were still wearing like a moo You're moo-moo. covering it. You know, yeah. I would be sitting there. Oh. Uh, I, I remember sitting there one day in the makeup room. Just I was just about ready to pop. Right. No, but I worked until the, last the final day. minute. Yeah. And, uh, and he said to me, so uh, when are you coming back to work after you have this baby? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm not really sure yet. I don't know. He goes, because, you know, there's a lineup of 20-something-year-old girls outside my oh office my door waiting for your job. So, and I thought, whoa, I had worked my ass off for this job. Like, yeah. this was my job. What do you mean? I deserve I this. And I said, Moses, I'll be back in just a couple of weeks. Right. And I was back in just a couple of weeks. Right, yeah. Because they, in those days, they didn't have to save your job yeah. for you. I think yeah. you got like three months maybe of right. mat leave. And and then they they would have to give you a job, but it didn't have to be that, that job. job. And I wanted my job. Yeah. And then the same, two, two and a half years later with the birth of my uh, second daughter, mm-hmm. it was the exact same thing. I went yeah. back to work two weeks later. Yeah. Was it hard? Was it, you know... Listen, every working mother, no matter how old the child is and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, at, at one point, if you're going to work, you've got to have to leave your baby for substantial uh, amounts of time. And, and I cried myself to sleep in hotel rooms all over the world yeah. for years and years and years and years. And even actually the older they got, the harder it became. Right. You wanted to be such a part of their life. And yeah. this was, there, there was not... You know, FaceTime, yeah. Skype in those days. Yeah, you know, yeah, there yeah. Was, it was not even email. Right. It was yeah. it was like oh a fax machine. We had the you know they would draw me little pictures and, <laughs> and like fax it over. Yeah, and fax it over <laughs> to my hotel in Paris, and mm. it's like you know drawings and yeah. But thank God there were cell phones, and I always, still to this day, mm-hmm. have my cell phone on beside me because it could be my girls who are now like Joey's about to be. 30 the baby and Becky's uh, 32 Mm -hmm. you know just in case they need me for anything and that was always the way it was I you know I'd be running around Europe but you know backstage at a show and of course there was a six hour time difference so it would be like two in the afternoon and my kid would phone me like at eight in the morning because they Mm -hmm. were you know in Toronto time yeah you know mom I can't find my you know purple sweater do you know where it is it was like okay sorry Valentino Hang on for a minute. My we kid's on the phone. And, you know, and so at least they felt that they could always get yeah. to me that way. I also, um, my marriage um, broke up mm-hmm. in uh, 1998 mm-hmm. when my girls were at 10 and 12. And it wasn't a situation where, you know, half the time they're going to be with me and half the time they're going to be with right. my husband. No, it was, I. the girls were with me. They Full saw time, their father. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, every Wednesday and every other weekend, right. and um, that was hard because mm-hmm. I was in the throes. You know, it, this is yeah. still the '90s, yeah. and we were going great guns yeah. with fashion television. I had never been busier, and I had did not see it coming. I right. thought I had the perfect life. Yeah. And one day, he just told me he was leaving. He just didn't want to be married anymore. Mm-hmm. We're serious. I know it sounds crazy, but I've told the story a lot, and there are women that can relate yeah. because that sometimes it does happen. Yeah. You don't yeah. see it coming, and right. you just you're so busy leading your fabulous life, and yeah. you think you're. I mean, I I was madly in love with my husband, and right. I thought I had the most fabulous. And, you know, here we have this. You know, we have the, the the house in the city, and the cottage, and the and the cars, and the boats, and yeah. the you know, it was just heaven and these yeah. two gorgeous kids and yeah. I was doing what I loved and uh, anyway so that, that you. really was something yeah. and uh, living life um, as a single parent is really not easy mm. 
it's not easy when you don't have anybody there to commiserate with or right. that you can really count on and it's really there yeah. and uh so that became uh, an, an extra huge challenge mm-hmm. but you know i rose to the occasion i think and and i did you it like and you it. just think how how is this going to work yeah how am i going to do it but somehow yeah you find a way you, you just way. have to keep you know it's just one step at a time no yeah. matter what situation yeah it, that happens to you in life you just as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other yeah. and don't lose yeah. your momentum but yeah. I mean I fell into a very dark uh, depression for a mm. while there it was yeah. like oh and I thought fashion I hated fashion I thought fashion is what did this it was like fashion made me into some kind of a maniac fashion robbed me of my mm. true happiness like how could I have been devoting so much time to this arena that was all about superficiality and mm bullshit and mm-hmm. and it was such a snake pit and they're mm-hmm. you know i mean i shouldn't be saying such horrible things about fashion <laughs> I, I, I love fashion but i hate it sometimes too well for a while it made you question the industry you'd chosen hmm. um you've also chosen to stay in canada when you could have had opportunities i'm sure for mm-hmm. you know a career in new york in la in europe what made you choose to stay in Toronto and Canada and you know even before your children or even before your husband because there's no place like home I mean I was perilously close to leaving Toronto in the mid 80s my sister lives in LA I was going to LA regularly I was working for Entertainment Tonight produced by Paramount Studios at the time this was before ET Canada existed like I had gone down there with my little demo reel and I was their Canadian correspondent so I had connections down there and then when I decided to get married and and the only I don't want to say the only reason I got married was to have kids, but in the, I just thought, yeah. I want to have kids, so I'm going to marry this man that I'm with, that I was in love with, yeah. and we're going to we're have kids. Children. I remember, we, we, you know, I stopped taking birth control yeah. the wedding night. You know, that was it. We were going to have start a family. Mm. Um, and I really made that conscious decision. At that time, I just thought, I'd spent enough time in L.A. to think, mm. I don't want to raise a kid in this environment. Right. Toronto is just so beautiful. It's yeah. so, or Canada in general. I mean, you know, it's so, such a wholesome place. Yeah. I mean, this is the quality of life. Listen, hmm. you know, and again, I still love this country and I still love the city, but mm-hmm. boy, has it changed. Yeah. But in those days, the comparison, you know, there weren't like shootings every five minutes right. and stabbings at the, you know, down at the corner. And, the, you know, I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in, um, in this city now, like yeah. every big city. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. just, inevitable I guess but in those days there was a kind of innocence to it and I don't know I just uh I I just thought I I I wanted to prove that you could do something big and fabulous and Mm -hmm. and fun and creative and exciting and new Mm -hmm. here and and Canada had been very good to me Mm -hmm. and uh you know I thought oh do I gonna go down there and just get get lost in that Mm -hmm. big crowd I don't know I, I don't I don't know if my drive had eroded a little bit, maybe. I mean, um, I'm not sure, but but I decided to, you know, stay here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, Dev, I regretted it. Um, I like to think I don't have any regrets, but, you know, I think, boy, if I got the kind of acclaim that I got here down there, yeah. if I got the opportunity to blaze the kinds of trails that I blazed here down mm-hmm. there and... You know, I, financially, the rewards, I'm sure, would have been far, far, far greater. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the other hand, uh, I have a 
pretty sweet lifestyle here now yeah. and I just can't imagine uh, yeah I just Being can't imagine is that, that I could have achieved the level of happiness mm. um, down there that I did here there's mm. just something uh, very healing about this country I think mm. in the great scheme of things and That's now especially in this day and age when yeah. you really step back to see the forest for the trees this is a pretty yeah. awesome country and mm. I I'm hugely proud Canadians. So. Mm -hmm. oh, that's great. Um, I want to talk about so the world of fashion and communications and as you knew it again when you built your career and you know today everything is different with social media with PR agencies, marketing agencies, the big groups who control most of the fashion houses who control the messaging around you know you used to have different direct access to the designers to the craftsmen to the, the, the great minds behind the brands. Do you think that, you know, is it or is the industry doomed? Is there, you talked about how in broadcast mm. there's less and less originality. Are we seeing the same thing in fashion today? Yes, to some degree. I mean, yes, I think there's just a lot of homogeny now. Um, I think big business really sucked the life out of fashion. I remember, I remember when Alexander McQueen first uh, went over to Givenchy mm. and his first show for Givenchy, Isabella Blow came up to me afterwards and just said, well, that's it. I'm getting out of fashion because this is, mm. the it's over now. Mm. It's like, you know, the, the, uh, the vultures are here and they, and they just, you know, suck the, the artistry out of the scene. And I'm just gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna go you know, open an art gallery. And I, she was just like, so yeah. incensed. I mean, she was bitter about different things at that time, perhaps too, but I, I think that maybe was the beginning of the end to some degree mm. when a lot of these brilliant artists that we had on the scene, not that we still don't have brilliant yeah. artists on the scene, there will always be brilliant artists in, in uh, this scene and every scene, but um, when the, the big conglomerates started to, uh, you know, really take over, yeah, uh, yeah the, it, the, the world uh, of fashion changed dramatically it fashion became big business mm. you know i don't want to think you know anything's doomed because i there's always hope and i do think there are a lot of you know brilliant young minds mm. in this business that really are going to stand up for what they believe in and and aren't going to go down the dark roads of yeah. you know corruption or, or uh, greed or whatever it is that drives people to uh you know, to, to really sell out. Um, something's got to be done with sustainability, yeah. though. This yeah. is a huge, huge, huge issue. Um, something's got to be done with this age of excess that we're still living in, and we've got, we've got way too much stuff that we absolutely don't, don't need. need. And again, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me. You know, like I'm proudly, you know, on TFC selling clothes, and, you know, we, yeah. we all need to, you know... Uh, have jobs and, and, and make business and yeah. we, ha we have to encourage a kind of commerce and exchange. Mm -hmm. But there's got to be a way of, uh, of changing the way we think about fashion and right. how much we need in our lives. And uh, certainly technological advancements now in fabrication yeah. Yeah. are um, pretty inspiring. You know, they're making fabric out of old water bottles yeah. and then that's just fantastic. Yeah. Stella McCartney is like such a champion yeah. and, and obviously uh, just... A, total inspiration to the whole generation mm -hmm. but you know only maybe 50% of what she's doing is really you know that sustainable too I mean there's all yeah you know there, there are there are problems with it it's just it's it's a funny kind of industry that just kind it really got out of hand 
Uh, and, um, you know, in terms of ethics, too, mm. we've got to re-examine the way businesses are are run and the way yeah. some of these factories are run. Yeah. And certainly, uh, we've got to start thinking about the planet in yeah. our own little ways. I mean, I'm, I don't expect to see any big, big changes in my lifetime. But the changes of attitudes, you know, yes. that's the first thing that's got to change. And I think slowly, you know, the messaging is getting out there. At least it's a big, mm. heady conversation now. And this was something that no one ever talked yeah. about a couple of years so ago. So at least so. it's being discussed now. Yeah. yeah. So. And see. what opportunities do young Canadian designers have? It's extremely oh. difficult to make it, you know, as a successful fashion designer, starting a brand requires a lot of investment and support you know what is it still possible today and what you know what opportunities lie ahead for them you know the great thing is and what you know this technology um has done it you could if you you know wanted have a little business that you could promote yourself and that you could uh retail yourself and you can just do it all yourself Mm -hmm. are you going to get like crazy rich doing that kind of thing or world famous or you know Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if it just makes you happy to make clothes and that's mm. really all you care about, you just want to, you know, sort of make enough to keep the wolf from the door and pay the rent and, you know, you could have a little business. And mm. that's something that would have been even impossible mm. uh, a few years back. But now there are, you know, ways of doing that. It depends what your idea of success is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the thing. Yeah. And for Canadians to try... And put themselves on par with some of these big international design houses with with uh, huge brands in the U.S. or huge brands in Europe. I, they're just, I, I don't think that's realistic. I mean, mm. and in this country too, we've got limited resources. Yeah. It's a smaller population. Smaller I mean, this is the price that we pay yeah. for living in this glorious land. And it's okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all right. But if you really, you know, it, it depends how you see yourself and mm. what what you want out of life and what's really important to mm-hmm. you um you know i personally don't really know if the canadian fashion scene has come as far as i would have liked it to yeah. mm. and i was waving that flag for a long time for years in the trenches doing fashion television i only wore canadian designers mm. like hey, head to toe like yeah. I would it would be like a sin yeah. to wear anything else you know and I would I would go and speak to groups I go how many people here are wearing Canadian put up your hands yeah, yeah. why aren't you shame on you and yeah. how many Canadian labels you have in your closet shame on but it's different now you don't want to be that religious about mm-hmm. you know the, the international borders have dissipated yeah. a little bit you know yeah. but unless you know what I the way I see it now in this country unless you've got and, and in many countries I mean it's like this in the states too unless yeah. you've got a rich daddy or some, you know, wealthy family member backer. or some kind yeah. of backer yeah. that's really going to, you know, put yeah. you into business and, and shift you into that gear. It's really tough. I mean, yeah. it's, you're, you're, you're working like so many other craftspeople, artists, and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it very much could be a hand-to-mouth existence. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel that fashion television in some ways created this monster because we perpetrated this kind of, uh, mythology let's say Hmm. of oh and you know and then you get it's like a rock star you know you're going to be the rock star designer and you're going to really be you know known all over the world on every household name and you're going to put up masses of clothes and do all that 
that glamour, you know, I mean, that's like, who who's really even like that anymore? Yeah. Like, even the great designers aren't, yeah. you know, um, a, well, they're also re- they're to replaceable today, right? Because you work for a brand or a label, you're there for a, a limited period of time until somebody decides That's to push right. you over. That's right. Yeah, it's much more about the house and the brand yeah. than it is about any one individual yeah. these days uh, designing, mm. very much so. So, it's you know, that, that system has changed. And I really do worry about um, all these kids in, in all these design schools. And yeah. I get dozens of, of requests, uh, you know, a, mm. a, a month, like... For, Will you talk to my daughter because she wants to be a designer and she doesn't know what direction to go mm. in and she really loves fashion and what, like all these people wanting to be part of the scene yeah. and these young people and the schools are just like encouraging yes yeah. come to school and to learn how to yeah. be in this business and you know at the school is like you know one teeny little part of the equation of course education is vitally important mm. but you know at the end of the day you know you it's it's a it's a big business and you got to have the chops to yeah. to know how to run it and only a select few will make it to a the top a select a precious few yeah. it's like you know it's like winning the lottery yeah. really what yeah. what are the chances mm. so something else that's changed social media that's completely redefined how we communicate and how we interact with each other you have two daughters um what's your relationship with social media and how do you view how the fashion community uses social media, which also comes with a pressure to always look perfect and have the perfect life and have a fabulous life. Yeah, it's all a big illusion. So let's get (laughs) real about that right now. Like if anyone really believes what they They see see on Instagram. And even, and a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of bleeding hearts on social media too. I mean, for better or worse, sometimes it's nice. You've got a message that you want to impart and use that as a platform. You know, people read it. Okay, whatever. I guess, however you want to get the message out. I'm a little, I cringe a little bit when I see too much of this, you know, like (laughs) spilling your guts on social media. I also um, think now for me as as a brand, I hate to think of myself that way, but I do Mm -hmm. because that's the way it happened. I never, you know, in in the old days, a brand, it was like, what, Heinz ketchup? You know, what? (laughs) But all of a sudden, I realized, yeah, like I, you know, I, I'm a brand, and you have to put yourself out there. You yeah. know, if you want to be in the game, and mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, get the gigs, and if you want to have a have a point of view that you're kind of known for. Yeah, and, so and it's, just being it's, seen. Yeah, it's wonderful for that. It's for me, it's just wonderful way to share. You know, like I, I love my life. I really, really love my life. I'm mm. so blessed and and happy that I can say that. Um, and there are aspects of it that I hope would inspire mm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want them, you know, to compare themselves. And But I, too, look at other people's social media sometimes and start comparing myself yeah. and feeling like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, wow, she looks really good. I don't yeah. look as good as yeah. that or what. Oh, wow, she got to go here she's and she got vacation. invited there yeah. and she's mm-hmm. on the, at this party or that. Yeah. And I didn't get that, you know. So that is bad because it yeah. really can make you feel like shit yeah. about yourself. Like, yeah. let's face it. I mean, that, it, it it's, can totally victimize you but mm. i you know fashion is like that too fashion mm. can be empowering and make you feel so great about yeah. yourself and when used in the right way or you know if it, it can prey on your insecurities and make you feel really bad about yourself and mm-hmm. um make you feel so insecure so you know i don't know i think like anything there's a there's a great part to it and mm-hmm. an evil part to it mm-hmm. um i wish that you know i still haven't done that exercise where i'm going to unplug 
from social media for social a month detox. or something. It's, yeah. So I haven't done that yet. Yeah. So I'll let you know how that goes <laughs> if I do. Because I, I, you know, I, I am interested. I mean, listen, I love, my kids aren't on it anywhere near as much as me. That's like interesting. I, you know, my daughter, Becky, because she's running a, a business now for yeah. her brand and her business, she's yeah. on it a so lot more. Tool. Joey, yeah. she's a musician and she does need to promote herself, mm. but she almost doesn't like to in that way. So... It, and it, it drives me crazy because I loved. That's a great way to keep in touch with them to find out what they're doing. Absolutely. Sometimes even if you know, I see. Oh, great! Joey liked one of my, you know, Instagram posts. That oh, means yeah. she's okay. She's yeah. she's watching your social media from her little you know cabin in the Yukon where she lives, like so far away. Wow. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it is a way. It's of, a way to stay connected. And that's what, at its best, yeah. that is yeah. what it. Yeah, that's does, a benefit and I love it. Like people, yeah. old friends that I don't get to see on a regular basis at all, just yes, to know true. they're out there, to yeah. see what they're up to. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's like the genie's out of the bottle, though. It's never going to go back. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. this is the way it is, yeah. and we have to, you know, embrace it. And, you know, we don't have to totally subscribe to it yeah. if we don't want to. But. We'll find that balance and, you know, what works for, for each yeah. individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you wish women would do more these days? Uh, of course, stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we are seeing a lot more of that. Yeah. I wish women would um, be more supportive of other women. Yes. But I still don't think mm. that happens enough. Yeah. And why I do you think that it, is? And I sometimes I see it and I I don't believe it because mm. I think people know that they should do it and it's almost like they're doing it too much. And you really, mm. you know, I don't know. I Listen, everyone... It, is a little bit insecure yeah. and I think it's just a matter of oh boy and especially in this country because there are only so many pieces of the pie to go around you think right. well if you get a really big piece of the pie you know how much is it's there going to be pie for me. left for me you know yeah. it, it's almost like a Canadian kind of thing that tall mm. poppy syndrome you know where you're always trying to drag mm. you know uh, others down to your level because you don't want if they get more successful than you like where's that going to leave you and what mm. you know I, it's just it's human nature, it, yeah. you know, and I can't, I don't expect people to be, mm. you know, that far above that. But it's just a kind of a kindness and compassion yeah. Yeah. that I would like to see more of, for not just women, like everybody. I don't yeah. really. See, I'll tell you, you know, Eva. Honestly, I don't. I went through a lot of shit, <laughs> a lot of crap, a lot of bad, dark times as a woman, and maybe because I was a woman, mm. and especially because I was a, a certain kind of woman and working in a certain kind of business. And, you know, that's a whole other, yeah. you know, hashtag me too story. Yeah. But I honestly, I honestly don't see myself as a woman first. I see myself as a person first. Yeah. And that's the way I regard everybody. Mm. And especially now with this whole, you know, gender fluidity yeah. and I don't there I know there's this movement like women together women power so, yeah. you know sisterhood da, da, da. I don't know yeah. I mean I really don't know if that's as important as just our humanity and, you know as just beating humans. hearts you know on this planet yeah. all just trying to you know to mm. to make life better I mean I think men suffer all kinds of terrible stuff too yeah. I, and I don't think they've had an easy go of it at all mm. they don't talk about it as much and it's not in their nature and they're sometimes they even shut certain parts of them down I mean we're just mm. women usually I think for whatever reason culturally um, it, it, we're just 
more open, let's say, or mm. more we, we're no, less uh, afraid to express our vulnerability. Yes, yes. But I don't really, you know, I, I, I don't really see it as a, you know, I think everyone needs to feel kind of, you know, empowered at this point in yeah. time. Yeah. Unless you're it's Donald not- Trump. <laughs> and then you yeah. should feel less empowered. No, I don't want to get political <laughs> here. But, you know, there are some people, of course, There's that just get carried away and whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, it's, it's, more it's about compassion. Humanity. And it's yeah. just that old-fashioned, you know, like mm. what the Dalai Lama teaches. And um, yeah. I think that's what the, the world needs now <laughs> is love, sweet love. And, yeah. and, and I think it's absolutely important to... Uh, to be aware of uh, other people and, and what they're going through mm. and, and imagine yourself in their shoes. Yeah. And nobody, you know, if you think anybody has it easy, you yeah. are absolutely wrong. Yeah. I mean, some people may have it easier than others, but, you know, in at a certain ways. point in time. Yeah, they yeah, go I think a challenging time. Yeah, just being a, a, a citizen of, of planet Earth uh, mm. It presents a whole lot of challenges uh, mm. and you know increasingly so because of the way the planet's going right yeah so what's your definition of success today and if i had asked you the same question 10 years ago would the answer have been different 10 years ago i would have said the definition of success is peace of mind uh just i just wanted to a peace of mind because I was grappling with so many uh, demons, let's say, and mm. there was a lot of unrest um, in my life, in my interior life, and I, I'd achieved a certain amount, you know, but I still didn't really feel a deep happiness mm. because I was so driven mm. and my ego was so big. Right. <laughs> That's I can't believe I'm saying that about myself. In a way, I never thought of myself as an egomaniac, but let's face it. Huh. If you you have to have it, it's a healthy thing yeah. to have that ego if yeah. you're going to get in there. Well, and, you need yeah, you, you know, need elbow strength. your way through exactly. the crowds yeah. and, you know, put your stick yeah. your microphone in the face of Karl Lagerfeld first <laughs> before all those other crews get to him, you know. I mean, it's that kind of exercise. But now um of course, peace of mind is still, you know, absolutely important, but um it, but true true success is uh is just real it, it it's happiness mm-hmm. i mean just to be happy whatever mm-hmm. it takes mm-hmm. um for you to be happy and i'm surprised that what it takes for me to be happy is not what i thought it was because right. I, I always thought to be happy i need to be living a really exciting out there life and to be happy i really need to be rubbing shoulders with the right people and i needed to you know to live this you know bright dazzling uh kind of life and it's it, it's not that at all now mm. like success to me is uh just being able to pick and choose what mm. i want to do when mm. i want to do it yeah not really feel obligated have that freedom uh, to anyone and and just uh you know i, I miraculously magically found true love at kind mm. of a I don't want to say a late stage in life, but I was like 63. So oh, that, anyone listening out there amazing. is not 63 yet. Do you not give up hope? Because <laughs> one day when you least expect it, the right person and it can, can be well 66 or 67 or, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it is just a number. Absolutely just a number. I mean, mm. you know, to me, success, I guess, is really being able to keep in touch with my you know inner child, too. Mm. And remembering those kinds of things that make you yeah. happy when you're little. I and it is the so simple important. things. Yeah. And just, you know, yeah. you just want, uh, you know, you want a good time. You want uh. good friends. You want to be surrounded by the people that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just like I say, I'm just 
pinch myself every day mm. now um, because I have found a kind of happiness at, you know, at, at the, uh, I don't want to say it's certainly not the end of my uh, career journey. I'm still mm-hmm. very much on it and looking forward to doing even bigger and better things. Yeah. Um, but at this stage with so much behind me mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, find this wonderful uh, kind of perch mm-hmm. uh, to just really be smelling the roses mm-hmm. and appreciating them. Well, that's, uh, that's my definition of success. Well, that's inspiring. And which brings me to my next question. What's next for Jeannie Becker? Well, <laughs> I can't talk about it. There is a big project mm-hmm. that we'll know more about. I mean, I'm in, I'm developing it. Um, you know, we're working on it now, and if it comes to fruition, it will really be a very fabulous thing. But I cannot talk about it. Okay, well, uh, have so to that's stay like put a lot of energy into that. And that's but very exciting. Honestly, Eva, I do feel like I like I dance as fast as I can, right. and I'm happy that way too because yeah. it's just I I just you know I hear the music and mm. and I just I want to go. So I. I love the fact that I can be, you know, writing and I can, you know, still be doing some television and I can still, I want to, I want to do another book. I think that's mm-hmm. really important. I've written like two autobiographies, one that came out in 2000, yeah. one that I came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. So now 2020 is coming up next year. Okay, I think that okay. another book should be, uh, yeah. you know, uh, out there. So uh, there's that. I don't know. Um we'll see Mm -hmm. what happens but I I don't I've never really had uh those kinds of plans you know okay and now I'm gonna my five-year plan yeah yeah it was it's more as long as you as long as you put the good energy out there and you're open open heart open mind it's amazing the opportunities that come by and you just grab onto them and do it but this one big project (laughs) <laughs> which I've just have been working on for a few years now and okay. very, very important to me. And uh, let's hope that that happens. Well, I hope it does. I'm very excited to find out what it is. And thank you so much for speaking oh, to me today on The Brand is Female. I could continue asking you questions <laughs> for three hours, uh, but this was great. And best of luck for the projects that are ahead. I hope this special mystery project mm. comes to life. Okay, thank you so thank much. You, what, a, what a joy. Thanks. If you like today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really makes a difference. Follow us on Instagram at Female. I'll be back in a week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.